Produced by Ranting Rhino Productions, Praxis Pedagogy exists to position our teaching and learning practice within different methodologies. We want to construct a guild of educators dedicated to designing a difference in our own teaching and learning and in our students' experience. Two, one. Hey everybody, and welcome back to session one of the Open Pedagogy series and the Praxis Pedagogy podcast. I sit down with Heather Ross in this episode. Heather Ross is an educational development specialist at the Gwena Moss Center for Teaching and Learning at the University of Saskatchewan. In addition to advising on all aspects of course design, she leads the open educational practices work for the center. She is also one of the hosts of the center's podcast, Mastering Teaching. When not working, she spends her time mostly with her wife, daughter, and dog. She also golfs, watches baseball, reads, and hosts the Better Me podcast, which is a great podcast. You should listen to that, which she launched at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Please welcome with me, the Heather Ross. I'm an educational development specialist at the Gwenamaw Center for Teaching and Learning at the University of Saskatchewan. And I, at least for the center, lead all of our open work. Uh, there's others on campus who are doing some open stuff, but I'm not, I'm not sure how many others have any, have it included in job descriptions. Oh, okay. So is that something new for the school to include it in job descriptions now, or has that been happening for you Sask for a while? No, it's, it's just my position for the last few years. Open has become part of it. There's a lot of other stuff, but open is officially part of it. Um, I think we might have a new librarian that has it in hers as well. Um, yeah. Is that something that you had to advocate for or? Um... One year I just said, Hey, you know, I'm doing all this open stuff and it's not in my description. Can we just get it added? Right. And, or in my, you know, in my, um, my accountabilities. Um, um, and they said, Oh yeah, of course should have been there. Okay. So it was just no brainer for them. They just, yeah. just oversight and put it in yeah. and off you go. Okay. Yeah. Because when I started working there, I wasn't doing open. I've been there now for about 10 and a half years. Okay. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Does it seem like 10 and a half years? Um, I think if I look at everything that's happened, yes, yeah. but, um, I work with a great team and yeah. so that, that makes time fly. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Good. So Heather, what does open pedagogy mean for you? Ooh. Um, so uh, for me, 
open pedagogy is students engaging in work that involves either existing open materials that they are adding to or modifying in some way or creating, like if it's new stuff and that they're, they're sharing it out with the caveat that I'm a firm believer in giving students choice about whether they want to share their work openly and if so, what license they want on it. Okay. That's interesting. So tell me a little bit about some of the core principles about open pedagogy, because, um, yeah, that's interesting to me. Um, I think, I think it should have, it's going to involve some open. I'm thinking about this in terms of maybe the work, maybe what they start with is an open. So they're creating something new. If they're creating something new and the intention that of the instructor is that we're going to release this work openly, but I'm giving the students the choice on that. I think that that is a key part of open pedagogy. Um, I think it should also be something that gives students the opportunity to um, engage in authentic assessment. So, you know, don't have them, don't have them write the five paragraph essay (laughs) and post those openly because that's not something that they're ever going to do beyond academia. And when I talk about authentic assessment, um, I've had some people comment, well, it shouldn't just be about work. And it's true. Authentic assessment doesn't need to be about work. It's about life, too. And they're never going to write, you know, the five paragraph essay or have to use APA formatting or anything like that when they're outside of academia. Um, and, and you know, I, I frequently have conversations with instructors and they're starting to really grasp this, um, that much of the, the, the assignments and the assessments that we have had students do traditionally, um, are really aimed at your students are going to grad school for the undergrad students and a very, very small portion of them are going to grad school. So let's not be training them for grad school. That's, that's not, that's not why most students have come to university. And so, um, it's, it's authentic assessment for things that they would do beyond academia in that discipline. So have you always been an open pedagogy advocate? No. Oh, okay. So tell me, tell me, (laughs) tell me what happened there. Well, um, I'm going to say that I didn't grasp it. Okay. Okay. And it made me nervous. The idea of. I think that early on, and I think one of the things that made me uncomfortable with it early on, I've helped to deal with is the idea of forcing students to do things openly when they're, they're learning and they're in the, they're in this part where we're allowing them to make mistakes without, you know, ongoing ramifications or significant ramifications. And how does that happen when we're doing it openly? And, you know, there's students who, for one reason or another, can't put their work out there openly because of um, where their family is still living. Um, Are they putting them at risk or um, are they um, trying to keep from being located by a a former partner who was abusive or anything along, anything along those lines. Um, Which is why I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in the choice aspect of it. 
not forcing students to lead, to share things openly, but giving them the tools and the opportunity to do that. Um, so that that's been a, a big one for me and. Um, and really tying it to authentic assessment has helped me understand it more. And the more I was hearing about work that other people were doing, it started giving me ideas about, oh yeah, yeah, that is a great idea. And we should be doing stuff like this. And so um, I've believed in open for a long time, but, but open pedagogy was something that the way I define it uh, is something that came about it's been several years but it wasn't all along interesting so do you think that that's a natural course for people who are in in doing work in the open that they they don't embrace open pedagogy at the same time that they move into open that it's a progression or do you think it's really individualistic i think right now it's individualistic i think that at the time that I was coming to it, I think a lot of people were, and that we, that open started with OER. And it wasn't, we were, we were talking about cost savings. You know, we have to get, which is still a big deal. Um, but that's what we were talking about. And then we started having more conversations about, okay, what opportunities are created by us working with open and how, how, how can we change teaching and learning because of this? But like I did, um, I created a, an open course that we offered through, through our teaching and learning center. Um, we just ran it for the first time earlier this year on it's an introduction to open educational practices and it goes through OER and open pedagogy and creative commons licenses and, and the why behind all of this. And and, you know, participants have to create things and share things. Um, but I was going to start it with OER. And um, my my colleague and manager, uh, Wendy James, who is also a big open person, um, said, you know what? You should start with open pedagogy. Because you're going to explain how this is going to change teaching and learning. And then, Oh, here's the added bonus of we're going to save students money. Um, and when I've been talking, when I do workshops around what is open pedagogy, I actually do one that's um, on using authentic assessment to integrate current events. And it's, it's really open pedagogy. Okay. <laughs> and it's about, it's about using um, using things that are happening now. So the pandemic. So how does how do we how do can students make a difference? Do something positive out of this through this discipline um, or climate change? So what is the role that your discipline can play in addressing issues around climate change? Um, and I've, I've really, I've had good reception to that because one of the, one of the things is, and you know, we were talking about it being individualistic, but one of the things is, is seeing what is important to the instructor you're talking to. And with the pandemic, we've had a lot of instructors who've really struggled with, um, worrying about academic integrity. 
even, even, even more than we were. And so I am, I've said, well, you know, if you do some assignment where you bring in something that's happening now, the students can't just pull a paper from last year because it's happening now. And that was something that really hooked people in. Um, but we're doing, I'm, I'm working on a project right now. It's just starting, um, we're doing a fellowship of sustainability. And so we have six instructors who will be our sustainability fellows for the next couple of years. Um, but we've built it around, um, open pedagogy. And so all the work that we're going to have them creating things that are going to get shared openly as resources for other instructors, but also um, how to use open pedagogy to do this type of work with sustainability in your classes. And why is. Um, and looking at open as a big factor for sustainability, whether that's access to education, um, um, the ability to to keep updating materials without worrying about a commercial publisher, any of those things. And so, and I, I know I've gone off on a bit of a tangent here. Oh, you. this is good. This is good. <laughs> but, um, but we're, it's looking at not, and you know, this as somebody you've worked with learning technologies that it took a really long time for us to convince instructors that learning technologies were something that you should just integrate. And they're just part of it as opposed to an added thing. Um, and that's what I've been doing with open pedagogy at, at USASC is talking about it as a way of enabling the priorities of the university or the college or department. Um, it, it's, it's something that lets you do what you want to do. <laughs> It's not an added thing. Um, and so that that is. Um, that, that's really the approach that I I've been taking um, is just it's it integrated. I use that word over and over, not add. You're integrating it. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because as you're as you're describing that process, it for me, it connects what you're saying for me. It connects in the sense that OER is the means and yes, there's some philosophy embedded in there, but for me, it's been more about the means of getting stuff out and, and meeting a need. And as I'm, as I'm moving deeper into the open pedagogy, I call it a philosophy. It's really touching the core value of why we're doing things. And it's interesting that you point out, what you did and starting with the open pedagogy piece rather than the OER piece, mm -hmm. because to me, it sounds like you're touching on a value system first, then the means of fleshing out that value system. Yeah. Like even, even in just the way you said it, of this is the, this is why you should consider open pedagogy. And by the way, it saves money. Yes. Right. Rather yes. than the the other way around, which, you know, I've been guilty of so many times and I'm not sure guilty is the right word, but you know, like, you know, we're going to save students all this money. It's going to be great. And then I invariably run into the challenge or the barrier of faculty going, okay, hold on time out. Like, why do I care about that? <laughs> right? I know. I, I know. Um, the government who gives us funding absolutely cares about how much money students are saving. That's, that's the thing that, that, that they share. 
Um, and, but I've had instructors tell me, um, I'm not, I don't, I shouldn't worry about students paying for textbooks. They're standing in, they're all in line at Starbucks. And we have, we have about 17,000 students. They're not all in line at Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's, and they're, they're having to make decisions about, you know, am I paying my rent or, so it is a factor, but when we can say, yeah, and this, your students are actually creating the learning resources. So if not this year, then next year, um, your students shouldn't have to buy any books because they're creating the thing that, that can keep being added to and, and so forth. Um, one of the first questions I have them answer in that open course actually is, um, does your current teaching practice align with your teaching values? Well, that's a great question. I did not come up with that. That was Wendy's question. <laughs> um, but we, we asked that and then asked them again at the end of the course, because I think that a lot of educators have particular values about what education should be, that they don't know how to achieve that because of the limitations that exist in academia. And so I think this helps move them closer to being in line with their values. Do you find, I know that values are very individualistic for sure, but do you find that there's some commonality of values within disciplines in academia? Like I can imagine, for instance, in the STEM world, there might be a certain value system there regarding textbook and student interaction and open pedagogy Versus, for instance, like even like, and I'll just use trades and I'm not pitting one against the other, but there there seems to be a different value system in how education is perceived and, and how it's how it's um, how people uh, interact with it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I worked for what's now SAS Polytechnic. It was used to be SIAST when I was there for six years before I started at the university and I worked heavily with the trades. Um, and you know, what would you, you don't have an assessment that doesn't align with what the students would actually need beyond the classroom. Um, and that I'm starting to see that more in university. That that with things like open pedagogy um, or experiential learning of other types um, to, that students are engaging in in assessments that are more in line with how they would use that knowledge and those skills beyond the classroom. Now in the trades, it was, it was the emphasis was on the workplace, but it's not just about the workplace. It's about, um, you know, if we're having them doing work on critical thinking, let's have them do work on critical thinking related to not just the workplace, but things that are going on in the world. Um, or communication. If we want them to work on communication, when are they going to write an essay and have to use APA formatting to communicate? That's not, that's not going to happen, whether that's in the workplace or in their, or just in life in general. And we want them to be well-rounded, but we want them to be able to function in their discipline, in their careers. Um, And we, we've, for too long done assessments 
that did not align with either of those. So in your experience, um, and I, and I know that you're doing a lot and that's one of the reasons why I reached out to you because I love what you're doing and, and, uh, and I think it's making a, a big difference, but in your experience, um, what is being done on a, on a larger scale to help educate faculty about open pedagogy? I know you're doing some and how you're having conversations with, with faculty. I guess my question is more oriented towards preparing faculty for academia. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, at, at USASC, we have like graduate students have access to a lot of um, programs through the Teaching and Learning Center to help them become educators um, and not just the educators that their supervisors are. Um, so that's one thing. We have, we are very lucky that we have a very, diverse and robust teaching and learning center at USASC. And I am grateful for what every member of the team brings um, and, and our leadership. Um, and so we, we are absolutely working with faculty around authentic assessment, um, active learning, um, dealing with issues around academic integrity that don't involve your students being watched by some system on their computer. Um, and so what we're doing, we're doing what we can. And I think that, you know, I've, I've gone to Manitoba and given a talk for campus Manitoba and I was in BC and, and did a talk at um, Cascadia. And I know that people like, like Rajiv are all over the place talking and, and it's, it's one thing to be talking to instructors, but um, in a lot of places, libraries lead the open initiatives at institutions. And for a long time, I've been really frustrated at not getting that buy-in at our library. And I get it. They're really busy, um, but it's, it's coming through our teaching and learning center. And I think that that has actually been really beneficial when I look at it now, because I go into a conversation about a course syllabus and I say, oh, by the way, if you're using an open textbook, you should absolutely list that in here so that students can see that ahead of time. It's also a great way of building rapport with your students on the first day when they see that, that they don't have to buy a textbook. Um, if I'm having a conversation, somebody says, well, um, you know, we had to, we had to move to remote suddenly. So how do I do assessment when I'm in this situation without my students, um, you know, copying off of each other or, or just getting stuff off the internet, which by the way, they would have done face-to-face -face anyway. If you're using the same exam questions or assignment questions you've been using for 20 years, that's why you're getting the same answers. Um, um, and so they're asking about this. I said, oh, OK, well, what if you brought in something um, that was more authentic um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, in a lab or it doesn't have to be out. You know, it could be the students are doing this at home, but they're going to they're going to um, create something that is more in line with how they would use the knowledge that they're gaining from this discipline beyond the classroom. And if you bring in those current events. Um, 
you're going to have less concerns about that, that them using papers from the past. So I, I, had, I try and as somebody who works in the teaching and learning center, people come to me about how to teach. And that gives not just, I mean, with librarians, frequently it's I'm looking for these resources. Um, but people specifically come to me about how to teach. And that that has created a great opportunity to be working with them on a regular basis. And that is sometimes them coming into the center or them coming to a session or a short course. But we also do tailored sessions for departments um, in in our teaching and learning center. And so that just keeps giving me these opportunities. Um, It used to be that I was always chasing people and trying to convince them of this. And it started to happen where people are coming to me and said, I came across this thing on your website about funding for open pedagogy. I'd like to do this. And, you know, I see that email and I'm, I, I'm working from home right now. And so nobody can see me. And I basically see the email and I'm doing a happy dance because <laughs> it's, it's starting to happen where they're coming to me as opposed to me having to chase people. Right. Which has been great because I've, I've often made like, I've been menacing at times, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll go do a circle around the Starbucks and see the instructors who are in line and, and corner people like that. Um, but now people are coming to me and that that's great that we're seeing, we're seeing that change. And I think that's, I think that's happening in a lot of places, but this is just how it's happening for us. Yeah. And no doubt that that's been a lot of a result of your hard work. And I, I remember chatting with you a, a while ago uh, on another episode of, of the podcast. And you, and I, I distinctly remember you saying that you would intentionally walk by the Starbucks to see if there were faculty in line that you could, you could, yeah. uh, um, uh, friendly badger. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and you know, we didn't have a lot of growth in OER over the past two years. And I was thinking it was kind of related to that, but we have seen some growth in open pedagogy during that time because I was still having those conversations. Um, but I hadn't been on campus to, you know, corner people at Starbucks. Um, I think that, yeah, I put a, I'm passionate about this. So I'm tenacious and, and everything, but I'm very fortunate because I, I work with people who um, see this as a good thing, like my colleagues, but then leadership all the way up the chain um, is seeing this as a good thing and a way that we can um, we can meet university priorities through open pedagogy. Um, And then there's there's other people. So there's there are some librarians who talk to people about open, which is great. But then we also have our distance education unit. We've got uh, Christine Drever Charles and Julie Mayer and J.R. Dingwall and um, Jordan Epp. Um, who are the instructional designers over there. And they're working with people all the time on open stuff because anytime they're working with a faculty member on creating or revising an online course, the conversation is coming up around OER or open pedagogy. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of people are doing this. It's, it's become part of what we do. It's become, well, I guess it's become integrated with what we do. Um, and so, um, 
that that's been great because now there's there's lots of people talking about it and working with it. And um, it's just we're I'm very fortunate because the the powers that be are are supporters of this. There's there's lots of people now on campus who are are believers in this and see this as a really good thing. We we have had ongoing a compared to some provinces, a smaller pot of, but ongoing funding now for, I think, seven years related to this. Um, and in the beginning it was create open textbooks <laughs> and now it's turned into, Hey, we're really fascinated about this idea of open pedagogy and using the funding for that or for ancillary resources or to promote open anything like that, that we're going to grow open at the university, which is, which is great. And it's, it's working. Right. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Do you think that you think COVID has had a positive effect on that trend on that transition from OER to OP? I'm going to say that, and you know, I didn't finish my PhD, but I'm going to say it like this anyway. Uh, I think that we've seen, an increase in interest in open pedagogy over the past two years. I don't know if the pandemic is the reason for it or not. So I'm not sure what the cause and effect is there. Um, but it's, it's, I see opportunities that were created. I don't know. I don't know if any of that would have happened otherwise, yeah. but it might've. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's ever one thing, right? I mean, it, right. I think it's a, I think it's a culmination of different factors. Like one, the hard work that you and your team have been doing over the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years of, you know, putting OER out there and then having the, having that transition of, of conversation from OER to OP. Right. Yeah. And so there's, there's that. And then the success of faculty themselves doing it and having, having a better experience learning and integrating what they're doing. And yeah. others looking at that and going, okay, it's not as big and scary and ugly as we thought it would be. Or, you know, I don't know, has, has faculty warmed to the idea of open pedagogy? Uh, I know that's a pretty broad question and you can't speak for every faculty member on campus, but um, I'm, I'm sensing that there is a growth in at least having a conversation about open pedagogy is than there was even five years ago. Yeah, um, I absolutely think that faculty, I think that faculty are becoming more and more interested in it. They see the potential of it. Um, I think that the, some of them have hit some resistance from department heads or others that they have to, they have to work with. I had an instructor who had a great idea for an open pedagogy project. Um, I said, yeah, absolutely. This is something we can get you some funding for. And it was sounding great. And about a week later, I got an email from her that the department head didn't think this was a good idea. And we don't fund projects unless the department heads are going to, or deans or something are going to sign off on them because we want to make sure that it's actually going to happen if we're yeah. providing the funding. Yeah. Yeah. No, makes sense. That's disheartening. That, that happened to me too, a while ago where, the um, the department head uh, didn't want me using a particular uh, open textbook, and of course, and it, it was it was demoralizing a little bit because you know it, 
yeah, for a whole bunch, I won't get into it for a whole bunch of different reasons. I'll probably edit that out, but, <laughs> <laughs> but or maybe I'll keep it in. It's all good, but, um, good. So, um, as we wrap up, are there, are there any resources that come to mind or people that you would, uh, highlight, uh, for a faculty member who's looking for more information or wants to do a deeper dive into what we've been talking about in regards to open pedagogy? Well, um, that open course remains, it's just going to remain open. Um, and anybody can go through the materials at any time. Um, so have at it and, and, and it's completely openly licensed. So if you want to adapt it for your institution, go for it, please do. Um, so that that's one thing I think that faculty should look into their teaching and learning centers um, and see if they're doing any open work through that. Um, I think that there's some resources available, um, examples of open pedagogy activities online. You can, again, find them through that course because I did put links in there. But even just seeing some examples of what people are doing can be a great way of generating um, ideas and answering questions for you. Um, yeah, talk to, talk to your teaching and learning centers about open pedagogy, talk to, um, instructional designers, whatever unit that they're in and your librarians. I mean, your librarians at a lot of institutions are are quite knowledgeable in this area and have been doing work in this. Mm -hmm. Um, good. Yeah. Good. So last question, I know, I know none of us have a crystal ball. (laughs) <laughs> but um, if you were to look down the corridor of time in the next five to 10 years, yep. uh, where do you see open pedagogy growing? I think, I think that as we, we start showing people how it enables priorities, I think that's going to be it. And, and, you know, when I, I said that authentic assessment workshop I do, um, open is not in the name of the session. So it's just, it's um, using authentic assessment to integrate current events. So if I had done a session on, you know, introduction to open pedagogy, I don't know that people would be signing up for it. <laughs> so you have to, you have to, put it in terms that are going to align with their values and their needs right now. Um, And so when I, you know, when I talk about this as a way of, of dealing with issues around academic integrity, that, that people tend to perk up for that one. That that's a, that's a good why one for them. Um, So I think that we're going to continue to grow in that area. I'm seeing that a lot of people are looking at um, using open in their sustainability initiatives. When they're talking about the United Nations SDGs, there's there's quite a few projects going on around that. Um, so I think I think that's going to be an area that we're going to see growth as people are trying to do that. But I think that that's going to produce examples of how you can use open to facilitate um, getting, reaching other priorities. Cool. Well, it's on record. <laughs> Five, 10 years from now, we'll pull it up and we'll see. Heather okay. is uh, accurate. I'm sure you are. 
<laughs> way more accurate than I would be. Thanks again, Heather, for taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely. And, uh, thanks for sharing your your experiences. And um, yeah, you, again, you, you've inspired me to I'm just, my whole day now is going to be all about open pedagogy now. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, it's really good. So thank you again for taking the time. Absolutely. And I'll send you the link to that open course so you can include it in the show notes. That'd be great. Thank you. 